Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Absolutely Not. I am your host, Katrina Stroll. I am a certified career coach and an HR consultant who created this space to provide personal boundary examples that could be set at work. Um, there are a lot of people that look like me that come from marginalized groups who haven't had these this vocabulary to move forward in the process at work. And I just want to provide examples of for them. Before we jump into today's topic, I always like to define words that we use frequently on the show. The first being boundary, something that indicates or fixes a limit. For example, if you tell your boss, hey, I will no longer be answering my phone after 6 p.m. Do not call me after 6. Gaslighting, to manipulate someone by psychological means into questioning their own sanity. Another an example of gaslighting would be in that same conversation if they say, aren't you being a little over the top with this? Like, I always call you after six. That's, you're kind of being crazy right now. That would be gaslighting. Dismissive, showing that something is unworthy of consideration. If you again set that boundary and say, I'm not playing, do not call me after six, and they call you after six anyway. That's dismissive of the boundary that you set. Today's episode is entitled CPTSD. For everyone out there who's wondering what we're going to talk about, I am too. I'm really nervous about this episode, but my special guest today is going to walk me through it. My special guest is Patricia Gatlin. Patricia Sonia Sky Gatlin is an administrative and operations professional, founder of Newbies in Tech, and the curator behind hashtag Black LinkedIn. Yes, I lit. Um, she lives in the entertainment capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada. She has worked in tech for three years, building out startup after startup. She worked in higher education for 10 plus years when she recently merged the two fields. She now works in ed tech part-time recruiting amazing educators for STEM jobs, teaching gifted children. Aww. In addition, she's a full-time coordinator flexing database management and people skills at a medical school. Her goal is to become a diversity and inclusion specialist and consultant. Thank you so much for being here today, Patricia. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Super nervous to talk about um, such a deep and complex um, thing of this nature. So I'm just really excited to kind of dive in and hopefully bring some substance uh, to this very, very important topic. I'm glad that you're nervous because I am like, I'm shaking in my chair right now. This is a very sensitive topic for me, as I'm sure it is for you. Could we talk about why you decided to speak on this specifically? Yeah, I think as somebody who currently now works in the in the HR field and um, now also works with a lot of medical professionals, um, I see the importance uh, clearly with the rise of things that are going on about systematic injustices and things against black and, and brown folks, um, especially people of color. I realize that we are not talking about a lot of mental health things. It's, even as younger people, even though we are in the millennial age and we feel the need to be a little bit more open, we're not digging as deep into um, a lot of these mental health issues. And so I wanted to be open and transparent um, about my, my struggle and, and some of my accomplishments as well, uh, dealing with mental health. Right, and I'm a strong believer in representation. There are so many people out there that look like you and I who do not have you and I in front of them with mental health conditions on display. 
Um, could you talk about the representation you have in your life that kind of pushed you to be more open about your condition? Right. Well, you know, I was fortunate enough to start working in a department in higher ed uh, for social work. And so I had came into contact with um, marriage, family counselors, um, therapists, and things, uh, people that have the skill set of working with um, underprivileged youth. And while working with them, it really just gave me the strength to really talk about um, self-care, uh, self-awareness, self-assessment. Um, and so that was the first time that I became a little bit more um, stronger in my ability to, to talk about things that weren't always going so right and, and not just brush brush it over, um, but also being provided with some, some tools as well um, from those professionals within that field. So that's where it kind of, I started to, to sprout in that kind of way. And I'm so happy for you sprouting along. Oh, could you kind of <laughs> touch on the tools that they shared with you? Yeah, yeah, you know, it, it was a couple of different things about, you know, there's always the breathing mechanisms and, you know, taking deep breaths, pausing, um, asking other people if they were readily available to have a deep conversation, um, when that time, you know, might be available to them so that you can approach um, those types of things. Also just doing self-assessments, like I said, self-care, asking yourself, when was the last time that you got out? When was the last time you did something that you enjoyed? When was the last time you cried? What did you cry about? Um, those um, things, who are the most um, influential people in your life? Um, who are the people that you spend the most time with? And if those two may not match, how do you kind of merge the two together so that you feel like you have the support system that you need? So yeah, working with social workers and mental health professionals in that department gave me a plethora of tools of just how to maybe even self-assess and better guide uh, myself uh, through that process. I love it. I love it. And she said process. This is an ongoing process that she's still going through, but she has an amazing support system that's helping her go through the journey. Um, for everyone out there, she said self-assessment like a bajillion times. So y'all better write that down. You need to assess yourself. What do um, your self-assessments kind of look like beyond like assessing who's in your group? Do you ever have to look at yourself? Are you setting boundaries or what does it look like? Yeah, I think for me, it was really about writing things down. I write a lot, <laughs> even though I'm a tech person, I have to kind of pull myself away from my computer and pull myself a little bit more into my to who I am as a human being. And so I write, I write randomly, even if it pains me, I write. And then, you know, I, I have this sticky note thing and it might be very being Mary Jane of me, but I do have sticky notes everywhere, including at work. And I'll just write down on a sticky note how I'm feeling, you know, and I'll stick it up on a wall. And when I don't feel that way anymore, I'll take it off the wall and, and throw it away and, and give myself the ability to refresh. Um, even on a daily basis, I kind of have to push you know, refresh a couple of times and say, okay, you know, ask myself those questions. What's going on? How are you feeling? What do you think about this? And if it's a project within itself, how do I feel? What do I think about it? Um, do I have the ability to get this done? Do I need help? Um, so those are just a couple of things of my own self-assessment um, that I try to utilize to, to get through, you know, small, small or big things in, in life. 
That's, those are amazing tactics. I'm about to do that. I already have posters and it says like, do this, buy milk. But now I'm going to start using them more for me. That's awesome. Yeah, use it for your feelings. I'm telling you, it really works. <laughs> like just stick it wherever you are. And if you're feeling that kind of way, I, it even allowed me when I was working firstly in tech, um, I would stick one on my desk in the um, facilities people would come by and they're all cleaning our desk and I would end up leaving some on for the rest of the day and one of the facilities girl who was also a a black woman came by and she was like you're awesome you got this and so people started leaving these positive because they knew that I was having a hard day and I wasn't you know publicly speaking about it but you could walk past my desk and kind of see these affirmations and things and so to, to have my coworkers start to participate in that um, was really, really nice and, and helping me move forward. Then I started to forget what sticky note was mine. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh man, that's also, it sounds like stepping, stone, stepping stones to getting those emotions out. Cause a lot of the time we're just like, I am so upset after that meeting, but you know, I gotta go to another meeting, but at least that sticky note, like, let me get it out. Yeah, it is a way to just get it out. And sometimes you're going to have to sit with those feelings for some time. You just, they're going to be there, like I said, like the sticky note, but you can add feelings to it. You can add different situations to it. You know, your life is truly what you make it. So I had to learn to step outside, step away from the sticky note, right? And create a different positive experience. That's awesome. And what, after you've done the self-assessment, have you ever been in a self-assessment and been like, okay, I need to set a new boundary here? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, coming into my own mental health, that was a new assessment, right? Because, you know, working, like I said, with these healthcare professionals and them being like, hey, have you ever thought, you know, because they can't diagnose you unless they're your doctor, but, you know, they have that, if you you know, you work with a person long enough, they have a way of, have you ever thought about X, Y, and Z before? Maybe you should look into that. And as somebody who built my career on being really a researcher as a scholar, that's what I am, um, I would be like, you know, let me think about that a little bit more. And as I dove deeper into what I had, I was like, oh, that makes sense. And then I could start curating um, a different narrative for myself. So that's just one thing. Awesome. Could you kind of give an example of a boundary you've had to set recently in your work environment? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I have PTSD um, or CPTSD. And of course, like that is um, it's a it's being prolonged and being repeatedly experiencing a trauma over time. Right. You know, you've had a repeated trauma and it sticks with you. You don't really have an escape from it. So for having that, I have a lot of different issues with like, um, like memory, you know, memorizing things and being a database person. I know people are like, wow, you can't memorize. (laughs) Listen, database somewhat is like responsive. Like after a while, it's the same thing over and over again, but um, now that I have sprints and things, my part-time job is a little bit harder. So with my PTSD, I had, I was having memory loss. And so I had to tell my boss, like, even though for him, it's frustrating, like we just talked about this two sprints ago or two weeks ago, I had to remind him that I have complex PTSD. And so even though you said it, I might've written it down somewhere. I can't remember it off the top of my head like that. I have to really take my time and and back assess what's going on or I have to redo the project in my head. Um, So I had to set a boundary with him like, 
you know, I can't remember, you're going to have to repeat some things so that it will come to the top of my brain so that I can, you know, walk through this sprint with you um, and help get this project done. And so uh, that was a boundary that I had to kind of set with him. It's like, there's certain things that you can't say to me as well um, that are triggering and it will lead me to have this analysis paralysis, uh, which kicks in the imposter syndrome. And once the imposter syndrome kicks in, it takes me a long time to complete a project. And so something that I could have started on Monday, I'm over assessing it. And now I'm not going to get it done until when I'm not going to start on it until Wednesday and it's not going to get done until later in the week. So um, explaining it to him and setting that boundary and saying, these are the the complexities of having this PTSD um, and you have to kind of work with me um, through that. And also, could you please not trigger me? Um, which is very, can be very hard um, for a boss, right? Because you don't know your triggers that well and they don't either. So you, you have to, to be supportive in explaining what those things are. Man, thank you so much for sharing so much of you with us today. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, thank you. One of the things that you mentioned, um, I also have PTSD and sometimes some therapists add the C on it, sometimes they don't. Um, it really, it makes me want to cry. You said it's really hard for us to escape from it. Um, uh, it and that's how, that's how it's uh, different from regular PTSD. I once saw a graphic that said the, uh, the differentiating part of the two different types of PTSD is people with normal, P normal, people with PTSD without the hyphen, they can kind of, a significant event that occurred, that's where I got my PTSD from. People with complex PTSD, there's a million cuts, a million events over time. We don't know what's killing us. It's, it's all over our body. All over and, and and I'll give a prime example of, of two different things for me and, and it's very personal to tell this narrative but one I grew up with a parent that has um, also a psychological issue um, and so that parent-child relationship was very very difficult obviously I'm a full-grown adult now but that that parent relationship was a prolonged traumatic experience for me um, that I had no escape from. And I'm still very much in touch with that parent, even though I've had to set boundaries with that parent um, about you know, my own triggers and traumas and things of that nature. Um, being a foster care child, because I grew up in the foster care system, was a part yeah, of that prolonged uh, trauma. Um, so to give, that's where I wanted to give some context to why my, my trauma has been prolonged. And, and a part of that, and I'll throw out a word, is abandonment, right? Um, because you'll, you feel that at a young age, I went into the system at four years old. And even if you know your parents, right, I know my parents or my family members, um, I still had a prolonged trauma from not having my biological parents there and then having these, um, you know, step kind of parents in a way, um, step in, but still just not having that feeling of not having that bonding experience with your biological parent was very difficult. So that's where the prolongedness of this complexity came from. Um, and then that moved into, you know, my uh, PTSD symptoms with um, being um, homeless. And so obviously that comes with a feeling of abandonment, even though you may not, you know, be full on being abandoned by your family or something like that, but you're abandoning a, a, a safe place. And as you know, a lot of foster children struggle with safe spaces and, and keeping a roof over their head. And so I didn't realize like when that happened to me that I was 
holding all of that inside of me over all these many years. It was just not having a place to call home, not having family um, that's supportive and all those things. So that's just a prime example of, of what my PTSD, my CPTSD looks like and also um, how my imposter syndrome also kicks in because your job has a lot to do with housing and, and where you live and how you live. Okay, my life. Um, thank you so much for sharing all that. And Patricia, I don't think I knew that you were also a, um, a foster kid. So I really appreciate you sharing that you are the second yeah, person. I don't, talk about it, <laughs> I don't talk about it as much as I should, but I'm a huge advocate for uh, foster youth or, or, or former foster youth, um, even mentoring them and things of that nature, because I've been through it. And I know like the psychological issues that can form around that, um, even going into adulthood. And so those are the, the long-term traumas and effects that I'm still dealing with um, today. So it is a very important part of, of my life and who I am. I really, I cannot thank you enough for sharing that. Um, as I grow in this journey, it's so, like we keep saying representation, there are a lot of us out there and a lot of us for some reason or another have not spoken up about these experiences that we had and how they contributed to the adults we are today. Um, so right, both positive and negative. Yeah. And again, I think we're not talking about this. And I know as somebody else who's also an HR person, there's a fear and there's also a stigma, right? We can't overlook the stigma of mental health within the workplace, right? Can you do the work? Can I utilize you to the best of our ability? How debilitating is your your um your ailment as they like to to kind of describe it and then you have to come in and kind of prove your worthiness and prove that mm -hmm. you can still do the work and have an ailment of you know ptsd or whatever disability that you might have um but also again reimagining that um restructuring that for the people that you work with and having them being proactive in your growth mm -hmm. and that's super important that's a key tool that I'll, i'm sure i'll talk about a little bit later so awesome, which is why these boundaries are so very personal. Um, although Patricia and I share similar um, childhood experiences, her PTSD is different from my PTSD and her needs are different from my needs. Even if we worked on the same organization, we would still have to have that difficult conversation with our manager like, hey, these are the triggers that I know. Um, this could change over time. And I'd like to have this discussion as openly as possible. Um, what would you say to the people that may have diagnoses and are, are feeling weary of being open about them and their needs in the workplace? Right. You know, you have to get to a space in your own life where you're, you feel like you can be vulnerable and still have a bit of strength right and still have a bit of you know of positivity around it because if you have a negative view of of your own disability right because now it has been classified as a disability it's going to be hard for you to um discuss that with your boss in a positive proactive way uh, within the workplace so i think that that is like super important for you to do is just get a positive outlook get some tools in your toolbox right um because and you need to be the, the sharpest tool in your toolbox the last thing you want to do is go in there and prick your finger and you bleed all over everything and i know that's metaphorically speaking but you can have a lot of tools and then go into the workplace and bleed all over everybody because you have a negative outlook on people with disabilities but mm -hmm. in particularly what your disability might be um when you step into the workplace 
And I would just repeat that you need to be the sharpest tool in your toolbox. If you don't know enough information about your own diagnosis, please go out there, read, um, research. Patricia is a professional scholar. And so I'm sure she knows a lot about her own diagnosis before she enters that conversation with her manager, because um, they don't know. I'll tell you right now, they, they have no idea. Right. And you have to approach it like they are child in a lot of different ways. And that's how I like to see it. Not that you treat your boss like a child, but they have an infancy, right, about knowledge of your or your disorder, your disability. And so you have to bring it to them with the basics information and also tell them, please feel free to do your own research. Mm. You also have to be open for them to ask you questions. And sometimes you have to set that boundary around what you're comfortable with and what you're not so comfortable with, or if you're still working through that, right? Um, I'm not sure about that. Let me get back to you. I think I need to talk to a medical professional first. And so I have had to say that a couple of times to my own bosses is, that's a good question. Let me go talk to my therapist and I'll get back to you. Oh my gosh. And I, I hate that. I hate what you just said because it reminds me of when I first got diagnosed. I used to just like bust into organization like, look, I got PTSD. Get out of my way. This is how I got it. Trauma. Here you go. Everybody knew about everything. Um, yeah. And that's just not what you need to do. No, because everybody doesn't know need to know everything and everybody's not going to be an advocate on your journey to mm. healing. And you have to give people very specific specific things that you know that it's going to help them help you um so again you have to be your biggest advocate you have to be the sharpest tool and you have to understand that people have their own mental capacities about what they can deal with because they might be triggered as well in some ways and that's why you ask for a disclosure you know can i share this with you are you in a space to you know answer or deal with somebody with mental health because not every manager is going to have that ability Right. We have to be also aware of other people's boundaries, too, when we're talking about um, mental health um, so that we can get the help that we need. So if your boss can't do it, maybe you can find somebody else in the organization that um, can help you um, through that and maybe even coach them around how to work with people with mental uh, health issues, because a lot of managers don't have the tools <laughs> to, to do that kind of work. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of organizations are not in the space to even start that type of work. Like they just trying to make money and production moving along. So it is so important for you to set those personal boundaries. So, you know, okay, this is the type of place that y'all are. You're not willing to accommodate me. You're not willing to work around my disability or able ailment. Um, maybe this is not the space for me. Has that ever happened to you, Patricia? If you set a boundary and yeah. <laughs> Of course, uh, if anybody knows me, uh, they will tell you I've been fired multiple times for setting boundaries. So, um, and it, and again, that's what you know have, has led to me being homeless um, and going through some of the things that I have because I stood up for my own boundaries and saying like, you know, what's okay and what's not okay. And it's sometimes standing up for other people's boundaries, which you see in the workplace and you're like, that's not okay with me. I, I don't approve of that. I worked in, and I'll be blunt about it. I worked in sports betting and, you know, there was a lot of cussing, a lot of words that should not be used when you're around a lot of people that, that work in sports mm -hmm. and things. And I was like, hey, you're creating a toxic work environment. Mm -hmm. um, and, but also just having the ability to stand up and say, hey, this, this environment is just a little bit too much and a little too triggering for me and and know that a company especially in the at will state 
has the ability to let you go, but you also need to know employment laws. And if it is discriminatory in nature and you have proof, because at the end of the day, you have to prove a lot of things. I had to prove that I have CPTSD. You have to prove that, you know, it's a toxic workplace environment. Um, and it takes a long time to even still prove what's going on in that place to get some kind of redemption around that. Um, for me, for one workplace, it's been years and I still don't have any redemption, um, but uh, definitely legally going through that process and even going legally going through the process, you have to relive a lot of those tra traumatic experiences in the workplace, uh, which can be hard. So again, some people don't do it just for that reason alone. It's just, it's too hard to relive something um, that deep. Mm -hmm. And shout out to all those people. We completely understand, um, but we do yeah. applaud you for making the decision to leave those organizations when you when you realize, okay, they cannot meet my needs. And that's all boundaries are. They're never intended to harm other people. They're just to voice your needs and advocate for either yourself or like you said, other people in that toxic work environment. Man, Patricia, thank you so much for being open and honest with us today. Um, if you could share your top three tips that you'd give to new professionals that are either looking to move into ed tech or DEI, what would they be? Oh my gosh, my, my top thing is think about provisions. Um, provisions are super important. If you think that you have any kind of symptoms, either with um, PTSD or complex PTSD, and I'm talking about flashbacks or upsetting dreams, chronic pains, um, avoiding uh, activities for a prolonged time, like up to, you know, we're talking about things that happen over a year and considerably, uh, the feeling of hopelessness, um, having uh, memory loss, like significant memory loss. Sometimes I cannot remember how to spell my name. Um, so analysis paralysis, overwhelming feelings, destructiveness, um, please seek out provisions. And that is even talking to somebody who is a therapist. And there are different types of therapists. I wanna throw that out there. It's important to seek out a career therapist if you are having career issues. Um, this is the same thing as a family, uh, marriage and family therapist is not gonna be the same as a career therapist. Um, in certain states and places, they're gonna have more than others. So again, seek that out. Um, also look into disability and what PTSD or imposter syndrome, how it is, uh, confirmed as a disability within the workplace so that you can get those provisions if need be um, to make sure that you're protected. Um, also, medical treatment, again, is super important. Make sure that you're talking to your medical professionals and doctors so that they know what you have so that they can diagnose you properly, get you to the right person, but also so that person can give you the proper medication. Because a lot of the times people are not, they can be diagnosed, but they might not have the proper medication that they might need. Um, another thing is also um, just taking your mental health days utilizing your sick leave, not allowing yourself to just run, run, run off of fumes, um, but knowing when to stop. So to me, that's important. Um, I know it's like, that's a lot of things I'm throwing out there, but have an, a main point thing too, before you take on a job, have a retention plan. That's one thing that I had when I started working with John Hopkins is before I signed on, I had a retention plan written out for myself. My boss knew what I needed to stay in this job, how long I wanted to be there. And if you couldn't match those things, it was automatically known that I was going to leave. I was not going to stay long-term. And so we revisit that retention plan um, constantly. Uh, so being able to 
manage up is important. Um, knowing when to apply pressure to yourself, when also to release pressure off of yourself. Uh, a 90 day plan is also super important. Go setting within those first 90 days of your job around your ailment or again, disability, depending on where you are in your journey is super important. So I know that was a lot, but that's kind of what it looks like <laughs> yeah. living with a, a PTSD for me or, or imposter syndrome. And thank you so much for sharing those amazing tips. One of the things I took away is we talk about this a lot. Our boundaries set you up for healthy relationships in the workplace. So that 90 day plan, that retention plan, those are our boundaries. And if you come into that space with that in mind and they already know what you want, those boundaries either need to be met or goodbye. Like we already had this conversation. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> revisit them often. That was one thing I need to tell people is like revisit the boundaries. You know what I mean? And approach, try to approach everything with a positive mm -hmm. attitude. You can't always do that, but always be proactive in your own mental health mm -hmm. in creating a safe space for yourself um, in whatever environment that you're in. So just try to approach it positively mm -hmm. and you can have a positive outcome. Whether people respect your boundaries or not, and you have to be okay. And I want to say this as well. You have to understand that some people are not going to respect your boundaries. And that may be where they're at. Um, that may be where you're at. Um, but you have to go into it knowing that it's not a reflection on you, that it's a reflection on that person. Um, and again, continue to move forward in, in a positive direction for yourself uh, with or without that person. Right. And that's where that gaslighting comes in. When you set those boundaries and people try to manipulate or try to get you to shake them or dismiss them, that has nothing to do with you. You are trying to keep yourself safe and sane at work. Right. <laughs> that's all you can do. That's all you can do. But yeah, so that those are my, my best tips going forward is just always revisit it. Sit with yourself, revisit it with yourself. Make sure, again, that you're in a positive space and that you're approaching it positively because, again, these uh, disabilities and ailments can really can trigger you into a negative space. So make sure to get around positive people as well. That also helps. Try to smile. That's awesome. Um, you mentioned a lot of symptoms in some of, in some of your tips. Um, so I'm sure there are some people out there that are listening to this that are like, oh no, oh Lord, <laughs> that's me. Because as soon as you were listing the symptoms, I was like, I mean, that's me. Um, but I'm already diagnosed. For the people out there that are listening and hearing the symptoms, what would you encourage them to do if they're like, oh, Lord, that's me? Oh, yeah. If that's, again, if that is you, please talk to a professional as soon as possible. Because the thing is, it is very, very hard, I will tell you from experience, to get diagnosed with um, PTSD or imposter syndrome unless you are seeing a medical professional for some prolonged time, so a year, even more um to speak to your ailment speak to what you have because that is the hardest hurdle to kind of get over and you want that cosign um but you also want that advocacy for you so if you already are speaking to a medical professional it's so much easier to get uh, that disability um so that you can function in the workplace and feel safe because that's the hardest thing is having uh, an ailment and not feeling safe in the workplace because you don't have anybody outside of that workplace mm -hmm. to advocate for you. So don't just think of your therapist as somebody you go to to just talk about all your problems and all that. This is somebody you go to to strategize and to mm -hmm. help you um, navigate through these spaces and, and create tools for your toolbox. And the biggest one, like you said, is yourself. So you need to be able to build yourself up to, to deal with those 
types of things. Um, but again, uh, it takes at least two years to have that ongoing a medical professional in your life um, that can really speak to your, your common triggers and things of that nature that I spoke about um, and to have it on records to also keep your own records as well. Write down situations where you're triggered or you had a, an a, a, an implosive event. I've had them. I've talked about them with my own bosses uh, where I've snapped and, and kind of lost it and had to like go back and, and work through that. Um, so make sure that you have your medical providers and make sure that you have, again, people that are willing to advocate for you and co-sign on your behalf so that you can get the professional help that you need. That's awesome. Um, that co-sign is so important because I remember when I first got diagnosed, I was like, yes, now I have, because for a long time, you're just like, what the hell is going on? I know this has to be something, but as soon as I got the diagnosis, like, cool, we can move forward. Um, a lot of people are jumping into therapist seats um, recently in the last year. Um, I would really encourage y'all to take from Patricia that ask them for a strategy. Some, some of these therapists just trying to get a, a paycheck, which is fine, but not fine if we're trying to go somewhere. Well, I'm trying to get paid. Right. <laughs> right exactly and if, if your therapist is not working for you please leave and know that there are resources out there to find a therapist and even remotely now that's the, the one benefit of everything that's happened in the last year is um you can find a remote therapist and um, to help you work through these situations but if that therapist is not working for you from what i've learned from my black girls in therapy group get out get out <laughs> <laughs> save them sometimes and also save yourself and find somebody that um can can really work with you because it is a personal relationship with a therapist so make sure that that person is right for you um and for your journey um, to success so that's awesome and for anybody out there that's like okay i'm gonna go do it now um there's a list of therapists specializing in marginalized groups on my website so please go check it out um and I mean, I, I don't know them, but check it out, do your research and um, go through them. Is there any other last golden nuggets that you'd like to share with the audience? You've been amazing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, honestly, give yourself some grace. Um, it's, it's, again, you don't know until somebody brings it up. And again, fortunately, I was around medical professionals or professionals within this field who were able to drop gems on me and to give me tools that I needed to just inspire me to go get help um, and to seek out, you know, uh, therapy in, in a positive way. And I'm lucky to still be in the medical field where I still have uh, these positive uh, people around me who are continuously drop, dropping these free gems on me. But give yourself some grace. It is very, very difficult to work through this and know that it does get better. And, you know, I, I've been fired a bunch of times uh, before. And yet, you know, now I'm just now starting on on my career journey to success. And even then I still have some bumps and bruises and you have to know other people on your journey might get bumps and bruises too. Not everybody's going to be able to stay. They're not gonna be able to see the, the end with you but you're gonna to have to make it to the end with you. And so just make sure to, yeah, at the end of the day, like you you are your biggest advocate and you are gonna be your closest friend uh, during this process. So allow yourself some grace and, and put yourself in a place uh, where you're able to, to make that happen. That was, that was too big. Um, the, that, the golden nugget that I'm taking with me and I'm going to end this episode with is you're going, have, you're going to have to make it to the end with you. Um, 
everybody else is not going to be there at the end. Not everybody on the planet. Your manager, probably, this probably won't be the last job that you have. Like, simple as that. So might as well have a good experience while you're there. And boundaries really ensure that you're having that. Knowing yourself, doing those self-assessments, ensuring that you're the sharpest tool in your own toolbox. Ensure ensure that you're having the best time for you at that organization and being a value. Oh my gosh, this has been inspiring. You are inspiring. You are amazing. Once again, this has been absolutely not. I am your host, Katrina Stroll. My amazing special guest today was Patricia Gatlin, also known as Sonia Sky. Um, if you need help with this journey that you're moving along, I just met somebody that can literally identify with so many levels of my journey, and I'm so happy that I met them. So I'm sure. There are other people, please reach out to Patricia. Ask her for all the things. She got boundaries though, so uh, make sure that they align with her boundaries, but please feel free to reach out. Her details will be in the show notes, um, but this is us signing off. We'll see you next time. Bye.